Welcome back to Becoming Your Best Version. I am host Maria Leonard Olson. I am a civil litigation attorney in the Washington DC area and author of four books. The latest book is called 50 After 50, Reframing the Next Chapter of Your Life. I'm a TEDx speaker, public speaker at uh, nonprofits and corporations and a radio show host and podcaster. I enjoy talking to women whose paths have crossed mine and amplifying their voices if they have inspired me in some way. And today I am so pleased to introduce to you a Philadelphia native, Margaret Novak. She is an entrepreneur, thought leader in aging and pioneer in senior move management. That is a thing that we are going to learn about today. Margaret founded Moving Solutions decades ago. Over the next 25 years, her passion and commitment to serving older adults and their families inspired her team to provide world-class service. Moving Solutions won awards, was featured in national media, and Margaret became a sought-after speaker. She's widely recognized as the founder of the senior move management industry. She is the founding president of the National Association of Senior and Specialty Move Managers, chaired that organization's ethics commission, and developed industry training. The organization NASMM recognized Margaret's commitment and service by creating the Margaret Novak Award for Excellence in Senior Move Management. In 2020, she left the formal work world and began a new role as an author, speaker, and champion of a revisioned picture of aging. Squint, Revisioning the Second Half of Life is her first book. This book is an uplifting guide for the second half of life. Margaret's memoir opens our eyes to the abundant possibilities of later life. She pairs profound and memorable personal stories with larger themes, such as downsizing, caregiving, forgiveness, estrangement, and more, and shows that with the right perspective and revisioning, the future is rich with possibility Realistic, compassionate, sub substantive, and uplifting, Margaret Squint is a guidebook that leaves us better equipped for the years ahead. She grew up in Philadelphia, went to Philadelphia's high school for girls, and has graduate and undergraduate degrees from the University of Pennsylvania. She now spends a lot of time on the Maryland shore she has three adorable dogs, one of whom I got to meet online. And you can find out more about her offerings, her work, her writing at marketnovak.com and follow her on social media, all of which is in the show notes. So welcome Margaret Novak to becoming your best version. Thank you, Maria. I am so interested in this movement, almost, I guess one would call it. You're a pioneer in senior move management. How, what exactly is that for those of us who aren't as familiar yet? And what made you decide to start a business in that field? 
Uh, I've been asked this many times, and I think people were waiting to hear about some emotional story I had with my grandmother or my parents. Uh, and there are many people who found out about this industry or got involved in such businesses because of that. I'm not one of them. I felt this is where the demographics were going and it was a smart business decision. Although no one at the time had heard of such an industry. And when I mentioned my plans, people said, you know, don't get a lot of letterhead. No one's going to buy this. <laughs> oh, geez. Um, you need yeah. better friends. <laughs> but, um, but it was the right, the right service at the right time. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you that I did become very passionate about working with older adults. I was in my 40s when I started the business. And the way it has impacted me is that my passion grew by working with my clients. Mm. And I think about that now. I'm 72. Because so much about how do you move into this phase of post-work life? For, which may go on, God willing, for decades. Um, what will I be doing? And they say, follow your path, you know, start out with what you're passionate about. And I want to say that's one formula. But I know from experience that sometimes you don't know what you're passionate about. Sometimes you have to try different things and you discover something you're passionate about. So that I don't want people to think the only way to move into retirement or say, what does this next chapter look like is by making a list of their passions. Maybe for some of us, it is being on a journey that allows us to explore some things and we'll find what we're passionate about or become passionate about. Um, at any rate, so what happened with move management what I saw that it was, you know, the, the, the wisdom in creating a business is find a niche that isn't being filled and fill it. And that's what I did. There were um, the, the, the industry of senior living was coming into its own. There were geriatric care managers that would help people stay at home. There was non-medical home care that was focused on also helping people stay at home. Mm -hmm. But there really wasn't any service that was helping people who decided I don't want to stay at home or I can't stay at home that was helping them transition to another environment. Um, so that's what move management did. It filled a niche. Um, when I started, there were just a few of us in the country. Um, I both grew the business and what was equally exciting is that over time, I met other people like me around the country who were involved in this cottage industry. And when we got together, there was an excitement like we had met our tribe. We met other people who both understood what we did and why we did it and were as excited as we were. And we understood that we were dealing with a special population often in a vulnerable position we said, we need a code of ethics, we need training material, we need to be doing research. And I think in any new industry, there is an excitement among the people who are first in it. Once an industry gets more mature, you know, we formed a national association and our, we were very excited and our goal was to get our industry known and to develop ethics 
once an industry is mature, people who join the association say, what am I getting for my $375? Mm-hmm. Those of us who first created the organization said, what can we do to help the industry grow? But I think that is the life cycle of any new industry and the yes. people that are involved in it. Is um, that what I, you studied in college? And No, uh, I was a French school? major. Oh, in graduate school too? In graduate school, it was city planning and health planning. Um, so, and I worked for 20 years in, in healthcare administration and consulting. So this was a total break. And what, what I learned in my mid forties is that I really, being an entrepreneur really suited me very well. Mm-hmm. Um, it brought out strengths I didn't know that I had. Um, well, you're obviously an it. astute business person to have found the niche and gone for it. You really went for it. I went for it. I also can tell you there were things that I failed at. One of the, I think, most important things for any entrepreneur to be open about to other entrepreneurs and to my own staff is that I'm human. Um, I don't want to be put on a pedestal. If you are authentic with your staff, I found they will follow you anywhere. Mm. Um, And I really love leading a team. I love sharing my passion and developing others. It's one of the things I have missed most since I have left work. I've missed not being part of a team mm. and realize that I look for things where I will have, where I can collaborate with other people to create something better. Because I truly believed I may have been the force of energy or passion that, of the business, but what we created, we created as a team. Yes. And the experience of someone who received my business, they weren't experiencing me directly. They were experiencing my team. So I, I truly believe that. It, it wasn't the Margaret Novak business. It was a team of, of 50 people that really cared about each other and, and, our, and the people we served. That's really So yeah, I'm, I'm a, you can tell I loved it. I, I yes. miss it. Um, I love the stage of life that I'm in now, but I, I feel so lucky to have been involved in something that I loved. I have had so many people my age who spent decades working at jobs that they hated mm-hmm. and they count the days until they retired. I have someone now who's been, who made little chip marks until, the, until he retires. Wow. And to put that much time and energy into something that is just a job. Uh, It's the way a lot of the world lives. I get it. So that's one of the other reasons I feel really blessed that that wasn't the way I lived. Well, you are an inspiration and I have really enjoyed reading your materials and getting to know you and your outlook. It's, It's very inspiring and you're helping people break the mold of retiring and just fading away into the sunset, which is an old story, an old model. So one of the things that happened here, uh, I'm, I spend a lot of time at the shore and I met some women. Um, they live very close to me geographically and I felt we would probably become friends. And I said to them, but I, you know, we live in paradise, but I don't want it. I want it to be more than that. And I asked if they wanted to form a mitzvah team. Now mitzvah is a Jewish word for like a good deed. Mm-hmm. None of them is Jewish, but they like the idea of a mitzvah, <laughs> being part of a mitzvah team. And we said, we're going to be friends. We'll have dinner together. We may 
We'll go for walks, but we also want to do some things that make a difference. So we have had we've had a shoe drive that we collected a thousand pairs of shoes from around Ocean Pines that we shipped to Souls for Souls. That helped. That actually went internationally. Wow. We did a sock. We did a sock drive for new socks. The shoes were used shoes. The socks were new socks that we collected two thousand pairs, and they went to local homeless shelters and also long-term care facilities. Um, we did a pet supply drive that had uh, collected about 4,000 pounds of pet food that went to local shelters. So we, the Mitzvah team has been active. And if we hear somebody close by has had surgery, we'll make food. And then we also go to dinner together. That's beautiful. Um, really we just beautiful. created a tribute to the, the kids who were killed in Texas. Oh, um, so yes, I, and Bill said, one of the things you enjoy is that you're part of a team. Yes. And we kind of found, found our tribe and that is right. Um, so that's been one of the things I looked at for this phase in life, wanting other people who share my values of wanting life to be more than, you know, what are we going to do today? Where should we go to dinner? Wonderful. I love that. I may form a mitzvah team. Having found out at age 53 that genetically speaking, I'm half Ashkenazi Jew. There you go. There's a mitzvah <laughs> tribe. There is a mitzvah tribe waiting for you. Yes, I love that. So I, I will definitely put that on my list of considerations of things I want to do in the next chapter. So you mentioned um, that that developing one's passions or interests even can be seen as a journey. And I very much appreciate that perspective because you're right, we're given the message over and over in media today that, oh, you need to discover your passion. Passions can change. So you, can. you do know that being part of a team is something that really lights, lights you up. So have there been other passions that have been developed once you left the formal working world? Well, I'm very passionate about kayaking, but I don't know if that's the type of passion you mean. No, no, and no. Although I found, I found ways to, I compared it to aging because one of the things I really like sometimes is kayaking upstream, kayaking against the current. And you would say, but isn't that hard? Well, it is, but it's also exhilarating. Mm. And I feel it, it requires 100% of my energy when I do it. So I feel very alive and focused and mindful. I'm very much in the moment. And I'm kind of grateful for things that put me in the moment. Yes. And I compared it to aging because aging is hard. You know, it's aging is like pedal, paddling upstream uh, often. It can have a lot of challenging times. But things that are hard can still be really exciting to do. It's not only hard. So I found it. But just something happened just the other day that made me think about a little bit about myself and made me wish I was still part with my team at mm -hmm. work. Um, I, I share that we also have a home in a CCRC, a retirement community. And I was back in Philadelphia and I was putting something up on a bulletin board, a notice, which is very near the dining room. And I heard someone 
utter a scream and it was someone who uses a walker had fallen. It happens. Mm -hmm. And I saw her and I immediately bent down and I took her hands and I said, hold on to me. I'm here. I'm here. I'm not mm -hmm. going to leave you. I wasn't going to try to lift her up. I know you can injure someone, mm -hmm. especially a, a, an older person who can be frail. Mm -hmm. Someone was going to come who had more expertise than me of how to help her get up. Mm -hmm. But I just wanted to know that she was being held. So I, she was holding one hand and I had my other hand just touching her and just and she, and she was very, very shaken as I think we are when we fall. Yes. She was doing her own kind of self-assessment of, okay, I think I'm okay. You know, I'm, I'm shaken, but I, I don't feel anything's broken. Mm -hmm. And someone did come, there were a lot of people that watching, someone did come and, and he very professionally and competently and calmly helped her stand. And afterwards I was, I was happy that I had bent down and was touching her because I knew I had a choice. I could have just watched 20 other people watched, mm. but like, I thought that brought out my humanity. I was the lucky one. Mm. Like, I think, I think I made her calmer, but I was like, I had a chance to do something and I did it. Oh, it wasn't beautiful. even a big thing. It wasn't a big thing. But I also thought if I still had my team, this would be a story I would want to tell them because it's through stories like this that I, I would communicate and we can communicate to other people what it is to make that effort to reach out, whether you're touching someone physically or you're touching them by nodding, showing them when they're telling you a story that you want them to hit, tell you that. We heard lots of stories of move managers as, I mean, of our, cli our clients would tell us stories of things in their lives. It was part of their letting go. And part of our job was to convey, we want to hear that story. And their kids never wanted to hear the story. They'd probably mm -hmm. heard the story, but we knew it was part of their letting go. We knew that stories reduce stress. So one of the things I did love is sharing with people, with my staff, this is how we communicate our humanity to, to people. And this is really what connects them to us. It's not being expert packers. Mm -hmm. It's, it's how we touch people either physically or, or, um, or metaphorically and being, being ready to reach out your hand physically or metaphorically and say, I'll be there for you. And yes, I did love that about being, having a team. That That's was my beautiful. job as an owner. That's wow. really beautiful. And I am so grateful you shared that story. My grandmother who had Alzheimer's lived with us and my other grandmother lived with us after that. And to be able to just really listen and look someone in the eye and give your time, your undevoted or undistracted attention to someone is a very meaningful gift. And you've made me remember when my father-in-law fell and he was so shaken and just holding his hand while before the, the emergency people came, it did, it elevated my uh, sense of self-worth that I was there to be able to help someone who was suffering in some way. Yeah, 
That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. And I love on your website about how you talk about you've always been a storyteller and that speaking is about connection because sometimes I can't shut up. My kids are like, mom, stop talking to all those strangers. But I love connecting with people by talking to them and letting them feel heard also. So you live that kind of a life where you connect with people. And I think telling stories is a way to communicate values and and topics that is not proscriptive. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite people often have asked how people, how our clients divided up things that belong to their family members. And um, one of my favorite stories is about two sisters who were dividing up the belongings of their parents and they have a very good relationship with each other and with their parent, and they had a very loving relationship with their parents. And as I have seen in most families where the siblings got along very well, they had no difficulties divvying things up, but there were two things that they both wanted. They both wanted a ring. It wasn't a wedding ring. It was a ring her mom had, their mom had purchased and they both wanted a silver vase. Mm. And um, the way they resolved this is one person took the ring and one person took the vase. And every January 1st, they meet and switch. And whoever has the vase fills it it with a dozen white roses, which were their mother's favorite. And what is so special about this is the, the, what they are demonstrating for their own children that relationship is more important than ownership mm-hmm. they have created a really beautiful ritual that is all about relationship and they are leading by example for their own kids in a way that no amount of lecturing would ever be able to to show so it's my favorite story of how of, of how we can illustrate through our actions that relationship is more important than ownership. Wow, that's powerful. Thank you for sharing that as well. And I want to talk a little bit more about your book, Squint, Revisioning the Second Half of Life. How did you decide to write a book? And how has your experience been? I know you've spoken in many venues about this beautiful book. So how did it come into how did you birth the book? What made you decide to write it? And how has it been received? Well, thank you. Um, I wrote, for, first of all, this, the story about the vase, that's mm-hmm. actually one of the last stories in Squint. Um, I left, my, I, my business was acquired and I stayed with the new company until February of 2020. And I left that company and my life with moving solutions and and I left move management, not knowing that two weeks later, the world was gonna shut down because of COVID. Mm. So during COVID, I wrote Squint. And it was, they, they will forever be blended in my mind because COVID gave me the enforced downtime where I had an opportunity to think about, think deeply about what I wanted to do and to write a book. Um, And Squint gave me purpose during COVID. 
which was also, so it, it was a gift to me to have mm -hmm. that to work on. Um, and I had lots of different stories and I met someone, an editor who said, but a book can't be a bunch of stories. You need to find a way to tie them together. And one of the most rewarding parts of Squint was seeing that my stories were actually part of much bigger stories. And it, with each story, tying it into a larger, a larger story that, that connected us. So when I had a story about my estrangement with my own brother, I did research and understood, wow, 10% of siblings have, are estranged from people. You, and if you, it's so underreported because people talk about the siblings with whom they get along. They, mm -hmm. they just don't talk about the ones they don't, they don't have a relationship with. And, how, and why most people who try to end estrangements aren't successful because they keep trying to rehash what happened and, and it's a slippery slope. Mm -hmm. Well, that's just one example of saying, wow, my story was part of a much bigger story. Mm -hmm. um, and there were so many parts of my relationship with my mother-in-law, which was wonderful. And, and the stories of, about Bubby or stories of growing up or stories of looking at my life now where I will sit, I got ready. It was a wintry mix in Philadelphia and I got ready to put on some boots. And I said, yeah, it's slippery outside. I don't want to fall. And then I said, oh, don't you sound old? And then I said to myself, why does that make me sound old? Doesn't that make me sound smart? Yes. <laughs> and I said to myself, aren't you ageist? So all, the stories aren't always about looking back. Sometimes mm -hmm. they were about looking at myself and all the ways I have internalized ageism. Mm -hmm. And, but I know that it, that's a bigger story than just me because how I feel about aging, how we feel about aging mm -hmm. is really important for how well we do as we get older. Absolutely. And having a positive perspective about aging increase on, in general, this is a, you know, statistics are about, about the big picture. It can impact how how long you live by over seven years. That's a bigger impact than not smoking. Wow, positive perspective. So that's how that's how putting on boots leads to internal ageism, which leads to how I better start looking at aging if I'm going to thrive. And then in my next chapter, so everything is part of a bigger picture. Wow, that is an also a very powerful point because I'm working really hard on reframing negative things that happen or thoughts. Now, I talk back to my negative thoughts and reframe it actively because I don't want to dwell in the negative. And I've never heard that statistic in about seven years. Mm, interesting. So We've talked about a lot of things, and I encourage all of you to take a look at Squint, Revisioning the Second Half of Life, because it is full of wisdom about wide-ranging topics that affect all of us. We're all human. We're all aging. We don't have to grow old while aging. And Margaret, I ask everyone this question who I've had on the show. What do you do to become your best version? 
I think the word I would use is intentionality. Mm-hmm. Um, I think thriving now at this point in my life uh, is more requires more than just saying, I'll see what happens. Um, I heard someone early, two years ago, it was early in, in COVID, say, the day after you leave your paid work, you start your unpaid job, which is strength training, because that's the only way you're going to stay independent as you age. And I said, see, I have a new job. <laughs> but what I've realized is yes, part of it is I have to be intentional in making a commitment to fitness. Um, I had, I looked at having friends. I read the statistics about how loneliness is more, has incredible um, negative impact on wellness and how having a good and how proper, having opportunities for meaningful social interactions is so important for well-being. There was a woman that I went, I saw all the time as I walked my dog. We were acquaintances. And then we started a little book group. There were only four of us. Mm-hmm. But after we talked about the book, she shared that in the book, oh, the, the main character had been abused by her husband. Mm-hmm. She shared that her mother had been abused by her alcoholic father and that the girls begged their mother to leave. And, and finally she did. And I thought to myself, I could have passed that woman walking my dog a hundred times and we would only be acquaintances. We needed to have private space. I called it sacred space where people were more meaningful opportunities to talk could occur. I needed to be more intentional. If I wanted to make new friends at 70, I needed to, to be intentional about it. And so whether it's friendship or physical fitness or, or finding purpose, they're all important for thriving and being my best self now. But I have to take some responsibility. There's the little joke, God, why won't you let me win the lottery? Why won't you let me win the lottery? And finally, God says, meet me halfway, buy a ticket. <laughs> I love what that. What it says to me is I need to buy a ticket. Yes, if I want to be my best self, I need to buy tickets. And that's what I realized I'm that's what I'm trying to do. And I'm trying to buy uh, tickets. Indeed, you are, and you're inspiring so many people to do the same. So pick up Margaret Novak's memoir, Squint, and take a look at her website, MargaretNovak.com. You won't be disappointed. She is engaging and has has put a lot of life lessons into a really beautiful book that all of us can benefit from. Thank you, Margaret, for being on the show. Thank you, Maria.